Welcome back to True North Talk. This is episode 25 and hosted by, of course, yours truly and Peter Burtnett. Um, but this episode is going to be interesting. I will say that because in preparing for this episode, reading Daniel, so we're going to be reading Daniel 1 to 3, there were a couple different themes and topics that presented themselves. And something I like talking about is dreaming and whether dreams matter, what can we take from our dreams, what's happening when we dream, all that. We're going to dive into that. We're also going to talk about how do you stand up for your faith and how what does that look like? And, of course, involved in that is, you know, re- relating to that question is how do we trust God fully in those situations? So those are a few of the topics we're going to go ahead and dive into today. Um, but like I said, we'll be reading out of Daniel 1 through 3. So, without further ado, Peter, do you want to go ahead and dive into some of this scripture starting in Daniel 1? Yeah, let's get started. So, the so, first first chapter in Daniel, the subtitle here is Daniel's Training in Babylon. For, starting in verse 1, In the third year of the reign of Je- Jeho- Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. So that's that's going through first five, and I, whenever I, we we chose kind of bits and pieces of these chapters just so we weren't reading the whole time. Um, But I always like to at least give some context, basically. But the next couple of verses, it just gives the um, Israelites' names as they were in Judah, and then it also lists their new names, but. Um, starting back up in verse 8 of chapter 1. I was going to say, Peter, Daniel, if you want to just, like, we can just go, honestly, we were talking about what we're going to do beforehand, but I think maybe if we did every other time, we could just read it, switch off. That's cool with you. Yeah, that's fine. Cool. All right, I'll do 8 through 10. So Daniel 1, 8 through 10. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. So, yeah, he's not wanting to partake in what they are all partaking in, right? And he's, uh, yeah, the guy's like, well, I don't want to put my head on the line for your convictions type of thing. So that's kind of what's going Definitely. on there. And I, I think a, a question to ask here is, have you been, or maybe I'm, I'm sure we both have, so maybe instead of have you been, what you know, what is a scenario when you were offered something that went against your values as a Christian and you kind of had to, you know, stand up for it and be like, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, did it kind of have this impact like it had on the, the chief of the eunuchs here? where it might affect other people. Did you ever, have you ever had anything like that? Hmm. Definitely. I definitely can relate to that 
emotion that I was taken when I read that. Um, trying to think of specific examples, but I know for sure, I mean, if you're in social situations, one of the things that I've experienced is oftentimes the, uh, <laughs> the speaking in some of these circles is not the best speaking and what they're talking about. And, and a small example, I guess, would be like gossip. Because that's like a big thing where in my daily life that I hear and I hear a lot of it. Uh, I'm not going to say where I hear it because I don't want to call anybody out, but I do hear a lot of this talking going on about certain people that I, you know, that I work with and these types of things. And the easy thing is to engage in that gossip. And when somebody asks you like, yo, do you agree with this and this? And what do you think about this person? It's easy to hop on that train of like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I agree with you all. Like this person, blah, blah, blah. But um, no, I mean, yeah, if you don't partake in it, if you don't partake in it, they're going to view you as kind of like an outsider. Like, why do you why do you not agree with us? But it's one of those things that I mean, just like Daniel here, he's like, I, I just can't. I don't want to do it. I don't want to defile myself. I don't want to lower my own character for things that others are doing just to fit in. So that's that's something I've experienced is gossip for sure. Definitely. I, th- I think I've experienced it. Yeah, I think I've experienced that as well with gossip or just coarse talking or kind of just negative negativity. I feel like that's a, a big problem in this world is people tend to complain before they see the good things in life. Uh, and I think f- for me, an- another example would be one that's very similar to the one that Daniel was presented here. And that's like the option, the opportunity to, to drink, uh, you know alcoholic beverages and that's a situation where especially at our age um and really probably over the last like you know five six years or whatever since we've been kind of around that age of being you know young adults and everything and and even late teenagers where everybody else around you legally or otherwise is is drinking and consuming a lot of alcohol and i know for myself and from from knowing you joe i know that those are situations where we we have to be like you know that's just not something that i that i can do you know it's something that can cause problems it's one of those things you know you don't want to be in the in the wrong place at the at the wrong time and you also just know that it goes against our our values as christians to you know to become drunk or to drink heavily and so i think that's an example for me and I mean, it's easy to pick that one out because it's the one that Daniel experienced here. But I think that's a situation that it would be for me where I have to kind of go against the go against the grain. Yeah, I would echo that. And, uh, you know, I, I found that spe- specifically talking about alcohol, uh, because I have consumed alcohol in the past at certain times, um, never been excessive, really never been an issue. And really out in public, I don't drink at all ever. Uh, it's very controlled scenarios and it's very moderate for the vast majority of times that I've drank, which is not that many. But um, I find that alcohol, you know, I heard somebody talking about alcohol one time and they were like, this is a successful person that I was listening to, a successful business owner, I think. And he was talking about the issue with alcohol because some people don't think it's an issue. Like even at my church, we've been in discussions where alcohol is like a, it's kind of a gray area. Like, Jesus said, do not be drunk, but he did consume some wine and there's kind of a gray area of, oh, can you have one drink? Can you have two drinks? Just whatever kind of moderate amount. And, you know, I've heard at times, like I said, from this person I was listening to that if you're like on your stuff, if you're successful and you are, you know, a high functioning individual that is very 
driven and you know disciplined, you simply do not desire to drink at all because the only thing it's going to do is bring you down. Like alcohol is a depressant; it's a drug. Mm-hmm. And the problem with drugs like this is that they make you, they allow you to feel good when you don't deserve it. That's why the low is always so much lower, is because they give you a free pass to experience these, you know, euphoric emotions, dopamine, when you didn't deserve it. You didn't put the work in to feel those emotions. So, like in this example, what I'm saying is this business owner, he put the work in, you know, he's got this business that's, that's you know, bearing this fruit of maybe millions of dollars, something like that. And, you know, he's, he's built this life that is built on hard work and success that brings you true fulfillment. Whereas other people want to get that fulfillment from drinking and drugs and it's, it's not real. And then the next day you feel even worse because you didn't earn that feeling. So anyways, that's, that's kind of a thing on drinking. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're in public and this is going, this is tying this back into the Daniel situation, you have to think about how we're, how are you portraying yourself? Because as Christians, we talk about witnessing a lot, but, what is the most powerful way to witness? And in my opinion, it's the way you carry yourself and what you do and do not do, what you do engage in and what you don't engage in. And I think that's kind of an example here because you could say, well, Daniel could have had one drink and not have been completely defiled, but I don't think that's the point. I think it's that, yes, he was that committed to the Lord and also it's about how you portray yourself and what message you want to get across to others. Definitely, I agree with that 100%. I also, I like that point. I hadn't heard that before about, you know, kind of rewarding yourself when you don't deserve it with with alcohol or you could talk about drugs in this case oh, I think that's a really good point um, to make and I think it's important now that we've identified you know situations where you can be you know tempted to go the way of the world I think it's important to see how we can combat that and so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick back up here in verse 12 of chapter one unless you had anything you wanted to add Joe no I, I think that's good you can go ahead and So Daniel said to the guard, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he, the guard, agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time, they were presented to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel and and his friends, Um, so they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Yeah, so basically, you know, there were these men that uh, were thought to be wise and interpreters of dreams and servants of the king. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, Daniel and the three other men that did not engage in these activities were quickly seen to be much more of powerful individuals, to be quite honest, because they weren't engaged in these things. They had the power of God on their side, right? Definitely, yeah, and, and God, God then rewarded them with understanding and, um, you know, being able to interpret visions and just a, a higher standing in the kingdom because they stood up for for the values that that God um, commands of us to to obey. I think it's also interesting the whole ten day thing, uh, because that's that reminds me of delayed gratification. 
you're not drinking for one day, you're not engaging in these activities for one day, maybe you don't see the results right away. But they said 10 days because the, the longer you do these things, the more you're going to see the results. The longer you do an activity, the more it's going to take a toll on you or the more it's going to bless you depending on what the activity is. So I thought that was interesting, the 10-day situation. Definitely. But, and one, it was also a, a sense of like this kind of temporary thing because, again, the, the official was concerned that he was going to get in trouble for allowing them to do this. And so it was kind of this like, you know, just test us, see – how we how we act and how we end up after this short amount of time and then if it if it doesn't benefit us then we'll get in and we'll eat the royal food and drink the royal wine but it obviously shows that by by trusting god to you know provide for them and to keep them healthy um and honestly i mean this is a good example of of you know what um even outside of of, of faith what a good diet can do for you as well that's another point to make here but i think the more important one is just um, you know, standing up for, for what you, what we believe in as Christians and, you know, having, having the opportunity to show, you know, what, what benefits can come from trusting and following God. Yeah. Not being fearful of the outcome and trusting the process. That's a big thing is trusting the process. I mean, that's, that's so important. Every, every aspect of our lives is trusting the process. You can never accomplish anything worth accomplishing in this life if you do not trust the process. So yeah, perfect example of that. But I'm going to go ahead and read 2. Uh, this is Daniel 2, verses 1 through 3. Uh, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, he had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned, and that maybe, maybe says Babylonians for you, be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and said before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on those verses? I think it shows that, I mean, like like you've you, we've talked about it off the pod before, just the um, power of dreams and how they obviously affected Nebuchadnezzar in in a negative way. And so, um, I think it's interesting. And the reason I just picked out those first three is because the next several verses just kind of talk about the astrologers saying, you know, we we can't interpret those. Um, and the king's king tells them that if you if you are able, I'll bless you with gifts and rewards and great honor. But from those first three verses, um, it, it also when he says, "I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means." That that gets to the point of you know the power of dreams. That you know we kind of want to see what what those dreams that we have mean. Um, and in this case, the the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had was a picture of the future that we'll get into a little bit later. It also implies that our dreams do mean something. You know, some people wonder, oh, do my dreams ever mean anything? Are they significant at all? You know, scientists, modern scientists and science, some of them have said that, you know, dreams are just uh, physical firings of the, of the, what is it, neuro, neurons neurons in the brain. So, you know, saying there's no meaning at all, I don't think that's true at, at all. I mean, we see here, there's definitely meaning to the dreams. Um but also interesting, his spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. What do you think about that? Like, do you think that's, uh, I mean, is it, does that significant to you? Because it kind of is to me. I mean, people think like insomnia and sleeping and all that is not related to, to spiritual health. But clearly right here, his spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. And he was having weird dreams. 
I think that's all connected. Yeah, I think it was, you know, the fact that it, it got to him so much kind of showed, I think, the importance of it. Um, it showed that, you know, and it showed that he really, he wanted to know what it it, it meant. He, he truly, deeply desired to know what his dream meant, and he was troubled because he didn't know what it meant. Um, and it was, I think, you know, God's way and his plan of showing the importance of this dream again like I said and we'll get into in a bit showing the the future of you know like the next 500 years of, of world history and then eventually even talking about an, an eternal kingdom as well and so I think the importance of this dream is what really got to, to Nebuchadnezzar even if he didn't know how important it was yeah have you I'm just curious have you ever had a situation where uh, your spiritual health was not the greatest and your sleep was affected I can't think of a specific time, but I, I feel like like the habits that come sometimes when you aren't close with God, like instead of, of reading the Bible, you're you're on your phone browsing or whatever, just wasting time doing that, and you know the time kind of slips away and you don't realize, and then it's you know two in the morning before you finally get to sleep, or um, you just you know you're away from that time that you spend with God because I feel like time with God creates like a peace in your mind as well and in your spirit and your soul that when you're not in that close connection you don't have and so obviously that eventually affects your sleep i mean maybe not maybe not even eventually maybe right away that affects your sleep and so i think being being close with god again because i mean this is another topic we talk about really in depth is just the peace of god um but if you if you don't have that then sleep is one of the things that's that's going to be affected by that pretty much immediately that's that's been my experience if you're not doing if you're not praying and reading every single day if you, especially if you have a big day ahead of you, it's so much harder to fall asleep. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I mean, I do, I guess. It's because you're not, yeah, you're not in close relationship with God. So at the very base level, your sleep's going to be affected. And I think this translates over, honestly, into like things like mental health. Like our, our modern world, where we live in such a godless world that just assumes and asserts that God is not real, that they use this like, assumption that God's not real. So therefore mental health is strictly scientific. It's your brain. It's a a chemical imbalance, which has been actually disproven in in very modern, uh, very recent studies. You know, I think mental health, I think sleep, I think all these things are tied into our spiritual health and not even tied in, but tied directly to our spiritual health. So yeah, I found that interesting. The whole, he couldn't sleep because he was troubled. And then he started having dreams. I mean, yeah, that that was interesting to me. Definitely, I think we can. If you want to pick up in verse ten, I could I could read read from there. You said you're going to read. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So basically, he he was he's telling them, you know, there's, there's going to be a penalty for you. Nebuchadnezzar's telling the astrologers there'll be a penalty for you if you can't interpret this. And the astrologers answered the king, "There's no one on earth who can do what the king asks." No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to to the king except the gods, lowercase g here, and they do not live among humans. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. What kind of what kind of stands out from from that passage for you? 
that this verse 11 here, the thing that the king asks is difficult and no one can show it to the king except the gods. I mean, what do you think they're referring to with the gods? Just like the gods of like the, the wind and the sun and the stars. <clears throat> um, you know, it, it might even be kind of, you know, to tie in something more modern, looking at like the, the signs and the stars that so many people believe in with astrology today. I think that's kind of a little bit of a connection you can make here that they were like, even even the signs in the sky can't point to what this dream means. And it just shows that it also kind of in a way shows the power of God too, of, of, of our God, that no worldly or even, you know, otherworldly force except for, for God, Yahweh, could interpret what this dream meant. So I think that it's kind of twofold there. Just the the I think the faultiness of false like religion or false um, you know astrology and stuff like that, and in you know comparison to that, it shows the power and the um, omniscience of of God. Yeah, and I want to talk about this situation that I just read about recently. So. Some of these gods in the Bible that the ancient Israelites, some of them used to worship and sacrifice things to that God would punish them for. For example, the god Baal, right? We saw recently with the whole Balenciaga situation, there was the, I don't know if you saw that, but there was, they were openly putting like child pornography in their advertising. And I saw that they kept making references to child that type of stuff and then like child sacrifice even one of the designers had a portrait famously taken of her holding a baby that was covered in blood it was very weird but if you look at the if you look at the definition of balenciaga i forget where the company was originated but it was like france or one of these european countries whatever language it was balenciaga quite literally means praise be to Baal. Baal is the god of child sacrifice and these people believe in this God. And, the, and to tie this in even deeper, because I was also reading about this. Have you heard of Aleister Crowley? I'm just curious, Peter. I don't think so. Okay. So Aleister Crowley was a prominent Satanist in the 20th century. And he was involved in very high levels in the occult. He would advise world leaders in World War II. There was, there was uh, documents of him doing rituals to to influence the Battle of Britain with Germany. It was some crazy stuff. Very high-level Satanist. He wrote a book called The Lesser Key of Solomon. This book talks about different demons, what they do, what their jobs are, uh, what they look like, how to summon them, everything like that. It's It's a crazy book. But in that book, Baal is in that book. And Baal is a demon, and he has real power. So this is not fake stuff. He's in the Bible... Balenciaga, child sacrifice. Crowley, a prominent Satanist, wrote a whole page or several pages in his book about how to summon this 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 being that people think is a god. So when it's talking about gods, I think it's very real. But I think that when they say gods, they're talking about early inter interdimensional beings that we know to be demons, but they have actual power in this world. Like like Jesus said, Satan is the god of this world. He has you know the principalities and over the air and the wind. Uh, these are real gods, and to me, when I say that, I think that they were they were deceived to think that these demons, these principalities, were gods in themselves. So, 
very uh very deep explanation there and it's still like very surface level to be honest with you but I, I found that very interesting and and I think that that could be what they're referring to by saying God's there it's kind of why I asked about that but definitely I don't know yeah I mean that that gets into a whole another deep discussion about just the the battle between between you know the god of heaven and all the all the gods that that exist in this world and the demonic forces that are at work yeah. and that's another maybe maybe for another podcast sometime but um i'm going to move into verse 18 now where we can kind of get a look into a powerful description about the the god that we believe in so um the commander of the king's guard spoke to daniel about this and I think Daniel asked why. Why was is it such a harsh decree? Arioch, who's the commander, explained the mat, the matter to Daniel, and then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to the, the th- his three friends that we've already seen referenced. So picking back up in verse eighteen, he Daniel urged them, his friends, to plead for mercy from the God of Heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed. Because again, remember they were wise men with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, that's just the comparison between gods with, with a little G and God with a big G and the one and true God and gods of this world, you know? They don't have the power to do these things. They don't have the power to change times and seasons. They don't have the power to remove kings and set up kings at their will. They rely on God's will to do those things. Um, but I mean, yeah. What I mean, what did you think about all that, bro? I think it's just it's inspiring in a way because we have access to this power, and that's not in a sense of like being power hungry or being like oh you know we have this power we can do absolutely whatever we want to we can run the world that sort of thing but i think it just it's it's encouraging and and awe-inspiring that the god who has all this power loves and cares for us and you know his son came to this world to die for our sins and offer us eternal life and forgiveness for our sins for the wrongdoings that we do in life and all of that you know that all of that power and yet he he cares for for each and every one of us simple human beings who who mess up who do wrong who hurt other people and even 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 though life has so many challenges in it we have a god who has this power and who who loves and cares about us so i think it's it's just really encouraging and it's oh it's always cool to see these sort of passages throughout the Bible, there's a lot of them in like Psalms of just, you know, David praising God in this way. So I think it's, it's again, really awe inspiring. Yeah. And we were going to get, we were going to, and we still are going to kind of move on past the whole interpretation because it's so long and detailed. Uh, 
But as I was kind of skimming over this again, I think I want to touch on for, uh, 46 through 49 because uh, it kind of brings us full circle at the end of this, this chapter. Uh, and this is after he interprets the dream. He said, the interpretation is sure. The dream is certain. The great God has made note to the king what shall be after this. And then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is the God of gods, Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, for you've been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief per- prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shedrach, Mesach, Abednego over the, fair, over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. So, this is an example because some people think that if you take up your cross and you live your life for God, that you are absolutely every single time going to come up on the short side of the, side of the stick on this in this earth. But I don't think that's always the case. I think that if you dipl- display strength like Daniel did, if you display uh, courage and stick to your guns and stick to the truth, yeah, sometimes it's going to not end up that great for you. I mean, you, you quite literally might die. Hopefully not in this world we live in today, but you might die as a martyr. But also sometimes this might be ha- this might happen. You get promoted. You know, he, he, the king fell on, fell upon his face and realized your God is a God of gods, and that's that's kind of why we can't be fearful when we're when we are uh, taking up our cross. Definitely, and I think the reward for for this sort of thing. Another example that's almost identical to this in a way is the story of Joseph. He interpreted the dreams of, of Pharaoh, and he was rewarded. And he had, you know, Joseph had both sides of it. He had the lowest of lows, imprisoned for years and forgotten about. And then eventually, you know, he was called back to Pharaoh because. Um, one of the one of Pharaoh's servants remember that he had the, inter- the ability to interpret dreams from from God, and and I think yeah, it just it just shows that if if you trust in God and you exhibit a Christian lifestyle, there definitely can be rewards for you. And this isn't, you know, this there there is definitely a middle ground. This isn't you know prosperity gospel where it's like. If you if you believe in God and you give to our church, you're going to be rich. It's not that sort of thing. But at the same time, it also isn't, you know, like you said, if we if we take up our cross, we're always going to come up short. It's it's definitely not. That's not the case either. Um, so I think it's it's important to remember that at the end of the day, we're we're not doing it for rewards on this earth, anyways. But rewards can come sometimes here on this side of heaven. The peace of God is our real, is the true gift. You know, when we have a, uh, when we're expecting these, all these gifts, like what we're saying about Daniel getting promoted, Joseph being promoted, I don't think that's really the true gift. I think the true gift is having peace and having salvation, having that true joy, understanding why we're here on this earth. I mean, that's, that's all I would desire to be quite honest as far as, as far as blessings go. Really anything on top of that is, is icing on the cake in my opinion, but it's kind of how I yeah, see I, it. I think that's a good point too, because when you have the peace of God, even if you don't have, you know, even if you're not the the richest per- person, or you don't have all these possessions, which we shouldn't find value in anyways, um, or if you're not in like a, a, a good position, we talked. I think we might have talked about this in the last episode, but you're not going to see, you know, you're gonna, you're going to have a more positive mindset because you have that peace of God. And so you're not going to worry about the things that you don't have. You're going to be grateful for. This is the Thanksgiving episode. You're going to be grateful for what you do have. 
And so I think that that is a great point that even, yeah, sometimes we will be promoted and we'll have success in this world because of, because of our, our values and our, and our beliefs. But at the end of the day, like I, I totally agree. It's, it's more important to have that peace because then we'll see the good, even if we're not, you know, experiencing the promotion that, that Daniel and Joseph did. Yeah. Cause honestly, if you don't have peace, you really don't have anything in this life. You're constantly trying to fill that void. With a piece of God, you're you're chilling. You're like, all right, I'm I'm chilling. Anything after this is kind of extra. So, but yeah, uh, kind of to bring things all the way around, we're gonna go ahead and jump into three Daniel three. So I'm gonna go ahead and do one verses one and two. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was sixty cubits and its breadth six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps the prefects and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And you want to go ahead and get four to four through six. Yeah. Basically three is just saying they all gather there. Then the herald loudly proclaimed nations and peoples of every language. This is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. That's those that? are some those are some words right there. That's definitely <laughs> a little bit of a threat there. Yeah, a little bit, bro. Uh yeah. Luckily, I don't think we're going to see we have not to this point seen anything like that in our lives. Yeah. Uh but what do you think about that? What do you like after kind of what just happened with with Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel? How do you, how do you go from that to what we're doing here? A quick point, it shows that like like all humans, but maybe especially so, Nebuchadnezzar was flawed and he didn't have that close relationship with God. And so when you don't have that, we talked about this in another episode that we have friends who aren't Christians that, you know, they're going to be quicker to, to turn on us or talk bad about us or just not be in the same situations as us. So it's kind of the same thing with Nebuchadnezzar here is he did not have that close relationship with God. And so he quickly turned to this, you know, I'm going to build this image of gold and I'm going to have everybody bow down and worship it. And, this is this wasn't an image of gold like uh, Christ the Redeemer statue in in Brazil, you know, designed to be a depiction of Jesus or of God. This was basically, I think, probably to to pad his own ego and to kind of almost a power trip. I I would imagine, kind of in a way, for him to be like, you know, you're gonna hear every, everybody's gonna come here, and you're gonna hear the music, and you're gonna bow down to this idol, and yeah, which- then. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, and then and then the threat is like, I mean, really, if you don't do this, you're you're screwed. Yeah, you're gonna die. Right. But you know, this is before, obviously, way before technology, way before uh, these massive ways for powerful people to, to, you know, to make themselves feel important and all that, like fame and all that. Really, you had to do. I th- I think you had to not stuff like this, but you definitely had to do more. Uh, I don't know grand things in in real life and yeah I I think it was a power trip I really do I think it was a power trip I think that I guess it's not that surprising but it's pretty evil bro it's pretty Mm -hmm. evil and yeah like you said it just goes to show how quick you can change up if you don't have God in your life you know 
we could really we could spend a whole episode talking about what you were saying about uh just the, the level of trust that comes with with um sharing a worldview with somebody but yeah I, I would completely agree so moving on and it said right here i did say after the fact that everybody fell down and worshiped the golden image so a lot like most people did that and then verse 12 there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Uh, so they didn't cave in. They didn't cave in, and they had the threat of death upon them. So how does that translate into our lives, Peter? I think something that I just thought about now is it... it it starts with little things like it goes back these are the same guys who are daniel's friends obviously they have they had different you know hebrew and babylonian names so these are the same guys who are friends with daniel and who are a part of that you know i don't want to call it rebellion but i think you get what i'm going after of not eating the royal food and wine just you know denying that and so it starts with some it could start with something small like that and if we if we're true in our faith we're going to stand up you know for even if even if, if our faith, you know, faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. If you have that, it starts with something small, just, you know, turning down, you know, the royal food and wine in, in this case, or like we talked about turning down gossip or something like that. But then it can, it can, you know, for, like for the consequences for that, I imagine, you know, weren't very high, you know, really in that scenario, the only person who's going to get in trouble was the official back in that, back from Daniel chapter one. Here... They're threatened with death. And so I think what I take out of this is if we have faith to stand up, stand up for God and for, you know, the Christian faith in little things, God will give us the necessary strength to stand up for bigger things, even if the consequences are bigger. And like we've kind of talked about already on the podcast today, you know, thankfully living in, in the United States, in, you know, the still relatively early um, 20, 21st century, you know, we're not under this threat of death if we don't live to the world's standards, but it does show, I mean, I, I feel like as we get later in life, we'll see little, little things kind of become more of a challenge to um, stand up for our faith in little, you know, just little changes. But yeah, for me, it shows that if we stand up for our faith in little things and trust in God, he will allow us to stand up for, you know, an even, even bigger, um, you know, faces of, of threats. I'm not sure if it's from the Bible or not, but the quote about like he who can be trusted with little can be trusted with a lot or something like that. And kind of like the great, with great power comes great responsibility. It's kind of the same thing, same concept. And we're talking about, uh, like what you were saying about God trusting us to make certain decisions and also us trusting ourselves to make certain decisions because if you're not willing to take a stand for god in this in the small situations you're definitely not gonna do that when your life's on the line you're, mm-hmm. you're gonna skimp out and you know that's really what true faith is about you know we're lucky to not have to face those types of punishments potentially but the reality is that the men that came before us the reason the bible is even around to this day is because men were willing to to give it all up for the truth and many did and they did and many did and you know the truth is is worth dying for it, it simply put the truth is worth dying for and it's displayed in this scripture right here so we only have 15 to 30 to to finish this up do you want to split that up or you did you want to take that it's up to you 
I'll take it. And if if you want to stop me at any point, just just go ahead and do sh- do so. I'll do. Um, well, let's do. Uh, you can do fifteen to twenty three, and I'll take twenty four to thirty. That's cool. Sounds good. Yeah. Cool. So quickly, um, just before starting the second half of fifteen, Nebuchadnezzar was furious with them, and he commanded them again: If you don't worship to the sound, um, you will. If you do worship it, he says, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? A little bit of a, a veiled threat there. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not so veiled. <laughs> so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and that and these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. <laughs> yeah, so before we finish that out, I mean, I mean, they literally, to the brink, like I said, they don't care. They're going in. The truth is worth dying for. They they just absolutely did not care. And we'll see what happens here. So, verse 24, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire. They are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. And we'll come back to that right there. Mm-hmm. The appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. If you notice in verse 23, it says these three men, why is there a fourth? We'll come back to it. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the, the burning fiery furnace. He declared Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. Then the three came out from the fire and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of these men who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of these men shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So, kapow. <laughs> yeah, for real. That's all I'm going to say is, is kapow. There is some power to this story. Um that is just crazy to think about. I think real real quickly before we go over the verses that you read, um, and we kind of talked touched on this briefly, but verses seventeen and, and eighteen, just the amount of faith that three these three young men had, um, 
If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. That takes some real bravery. Bravery that can only come from being saved and being in in faith of of God. True faith, right? It's true faith, exactly. And it's it almost is hard to put into words just how much that that means uh, them being able to stand up and say words like that you know at, at, in one in the first verse they're they're very confident they will be delivered but they're, then they're like even if even if we're not you know we're not going to we're not going to break we're not even going to bend on our belief in in the true god so yeah, th- those are my happened. quick thoughts from that this actually happens yeah. this is not like some fairy tale this actually happened and how trivial do our our problems seem when we compare our trials to these men? And it's not mm-hmm. to downplay them. It's not to say that they're easy. But, you know, in the grand picture, yeah, I mean, this should encourage all of us to take more of a stand every single day in our lives. And, uh, okay, so I got I to gotta ask, bro, who, who's the fourth? who's the fourth man in the fire? So we we texted about this before, and it was something that I think I had probably heard in church, either for, either from my from my dad or just some other time in church. That oftentimes, whenever there's a reference, either like like a son of the gods, and I imagine here that again, that's because Nebuchadnezzar had a uh, fractured view of who who God and gods were. Um, but a lot of times throughout the Bible in the Old Testament, if you see something like. Um, like a son of God or mysterious um, figure, just an unknown mysterious person. figure, something like that. It is interpreted by many people, many biblical scholars that those references, and this is one of them refer to a, I guess, first coming or first several, several comings of Jesus Christ, which is pretty incredible too. Yeah. That's epic to think about <laughs> just popping up in the fire. Like what's up? <laughs> Like yeah, you thought you're about to kill these guys. Nah, they're they're not going to die. And Jesus shows up. Like, what's going on with y'all? Like, they're they're safe in my hands. I'm just picturing, bro, like this fire, <laughs> and he throws them in there. And I'm picturing like a movie movie preview trailer where they just nope, they pop back up and they're just slowly walking out the fire. You yeah. see Jesus by their side, <laughs> not scathed. Yeah. Oh man, that's well, it's, al- it's also crazy because. The fire in verse twenty-two, it says the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took them up. That's Whoa. how hot it was. That the the people who were outside, outside the furnace were were killed before throwing them into the furnace. And yet, because of their faith, God, or in in this case, you know, likely Jesus, Jesus the Son of God, delivered them from from the furnace because of their faith. Yeah, and then you know. Something to take away from all this, I think, is like the power of God, because it's so annoying sometimes to have to think that, like I was saying earlier, that you're going to come up with the short side of the stick. You just have to eat it in this life. It's going to be tough as a Christian, which it will be. You know, there's going to be trials and it's not prosperity gospel. It's it's not get saved and you have a blessed life in every aspect and you never have any challenges, no trials. No, you're going to have trials. You will have trials, but and pretty often. Um, but God will have the final laugh and he will have the final say and the truth will prevail. And it's worth, and that, that is why it's worth dying for, because 
one day when we all stand in front of God, we do have to, to give an account. And we are living in a universe, in a world that has eternal consequences. Every action we take is so very important. This cannot be understated or overstated. You know, this is the power of God. This is the God who has taken men, thrown into a furnace, who killed the soldiers and made them survive right in front of everybody. And verse 29, I make a decree. Any people, nation or language that speaks anything against God shall be torn from limb to limb and their houses laid in ruins. There is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. I mean, it's just facts, bro. It's just facts. That's like a, like I said, kapow. Like what else do you have to say about that? <laughs> really? Definitely. I think, I think it's also, it's good here that it's, it's not, you know, this isn't like crusader mindset where it's like, if you don't believe in our God, you're going to die. But it, it just shows that the, the power of God is unequaled basically. Yeah. And that nothing, no other God can compare to, to God. And to be honest, if, you know, if God does exist, he is all powerful. I mean, and yeah, I believe he exists. You believe he exists. And I think there's even a verse that says that all, all human beings know that God exists in their, in their soul. Like we all have knowledge of God. It's, he's made himself evident in every, every aspect of reality. And the fact that this is a, is it, is a thing, you know, God is all powerful and he, there is one God and there is one truth. There is the truth. And that's why we owe it to ourselves to take this serious and every single day to know why we're here. And, you know, I actually thought about this the other day because one of my coworkers was asking me, um, you know, I'm 23, I'm, I'm building my life. I'm building my empire, so to speak. And I'm trying to, trying to, you know, put pieces together slowly. A time goes on, you, you slowly get on the path that you want to go on. Right. So somebody asked me, you know, what is your ultimate goal? What do you want to be in life? And any any thought that I had that was like, oh, I want to be this, you know, I want to have this, I want to have this job, I want to have this career, whatever. Really, I mean, you can say, you can give an answer, but there's not really any assurance to your answer unless you answer that your purpose on this earth is to serve God. You know, mm-hmm. if that's your ultimate purpose, you really can't go wrong with anything you do. Now you're going to have, you know, you can choose what you want to do. Obviously some people are set out for certain careers, certain aspects, certain types of work, but the real purpose why we're here is to serve God. And if you try to give any other reason, like that's going to be a fulfilling answer, it's just not, you know, mm-hmm. it's just not. And that's why we're here. And I, you know, I, that's why I was thinking about it the other day. And I think it's kind of a perfect way to basically envelop, envelop, what is it? Envelope, envelope or envelope. I don't know. Envelop <laughs> our conversation is that. What it all comes around to is that we are here to serve God, and that's why we should uh, not be afraid to take a stand, because these men set the standard. Definitely, and I think that that's a great point, a point that I want to make, too, that I kind of had going into this that we haven't touched on quite as much, but in a roundabout way we have, is having trust in God. That if we're going along that path... And we have ultimate trust in him. He will lead us to what he wants us to do in life and to achieve in life. And again, like we've talked about a lot in this podcast, sometimes that's going to be good things. Sometimes it's going to be challenges. But at the end of the day, we have to trust God and his peace to get us through every circumstance and to be grateful for the good times that we have and to look at the the challenges in life as challenges to overcome and I think that can only really come from having true trust or faith, whatever word you want to use. They're 
pretty much the same thing. Um, that only comes from faith and trust in, in Jesus and in God the Father uh, and in the Holy Spirit to, to lead us along that path. So I think that's that's my biggest takeaway from this because I think for me, speaking personally there, I've definitely just because of how much quote-unquote scientific evidence there is out there, sometimes it's it's easy to, to doubt if there is a God that exists. But whether it's stuff that I see in the Bible or things that I see in my real life, I always come back to trusting and believing in God. Even even again during the times when I've had doubts, I think that's part of, you know, us being at the age that we're at, you know, starting kind of in like teenage years and even kind of going through young adulthood. It's tr- if you don't have trust, you're not going to remain firmly attached to to God. But if you have that faith and trust, then you're always going to have that that peace of God on your side like we talked about even if you know through the challenges and the good times the thing that's going to get you through them is having faith and and trust and belief in God to to provide for you yeah it's an interesting point you know i i uh i find myself sitting at in situations and thinking about these things sometimes about God's existence and i guess for me, I can somewhat relate to that idea. Um, but my doubt comes in a different form and it's like something along the lines of when I do experience doubt, I don't necessarily doubt that God exists because literally when I'm sitting in a room talking with a sentient being, you know, that alone is like, all right, some, yeah, there has to be a God, like explain this, explain what's happening right now without God. It's just impossible. But I find myself thinking like sometimes, because I work with a lot of people that are that are Islamic, and it's like, you know, we share a lot of the same conservative values, um, respecting ourselves, moral morals, all these types of things. So my doubt kind of comes in as far as like, which am I hundred percent sure that I believe in the God? You know, because hmm. they're competing religions, competing ideas, spirituality, all that type of stuff. But yeah, time and time again, like you're saying, this is where where I can say that same sentiment is that whether it's, you know, whether it's moral objectivism, whether it's, uh, um, my conscience aligning when I'm praying with God and, um, you know, his creation is his revelation in some ways, no matter what the thing is, I I always end up coming back to the, to the Lord. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, doubt, doubt is good. We had an episode about that, you know, doubt is necessary to reaffirm Mm -hmm. your faith. If you're not questioning and challenging your own beliefs, I think that's simple-minded, and I think that you should reevaluate your position, honestly, because without doing that, you're never going to find the truth. So, hmm. but yeah, I would echo every, any everything you said there. Is there anything else you want to add before we we wrap this up? No, I don't think so. I think you wrapped it up perfectly there. Just about that that whatever whatever doubts you have, whether it's in the existence of any god or if it's in the doubting whether our god is the true god this this story of Daniel and there's other ones obviously throughout the Bible but this story of Daniel is a good example of how we can get through those doubts and how we can remain rooted to the foundation that we have in faith in in God yeah and if you have doubt about uh not engaging in gossip at work remember that these men jumped into fire with no with no fear so uh next time that presents itself just remember that and I promise you'll be okay uh, not downplaying it. I'm just, I'm just saying, bro, you know, really can't complain these days. We're in America. 
things are how they're going, whatever the case is. But yeah, good takeaways from this episode. Uh, if you made it this far in the episode, we really appreciate you listening. Uh, you know, everybody around the world that is listening. I know we have some unique listening locations. Uh, one thing I want to say is we don't often say is make sure you share the podcast. If you have somebody that is doubting their faith or is looking for God or is already Christian, no matter what the case is, make sure you share the podcast with them because it's a good way to get the word out. It's a good way for them to explore their own beliefs and kind of hear what we have to say. And hopefully it opens their eyes. Um, and hopefully we're opening and challenging your eyes and your beliefs as well. Uh, but with that being said, yeah, this is wrapping up episode 25. Go read Daniel 1 to 3 on your own. We always encourage that. Uh, like and rate the podcast on Apple and Spotify. With that being said, we will see everybody next episode. Peace out. Peace.